Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is The Mandalorian Report. We're going to be talking Chapter 15, The Believer. I am Joseph Scripshaw. I'm a believer, I couldn't leave her if I tried. I'm Ken Napsuck, happy to be here and love the monkeys as well. 
Yeah, and you're just you're a DJ at heart. You can't get away uh, from your, your DJ roots. I uh, hear I hear a word. I equate it to a song. That is right. We can't talk Mandalorian without spinning some the monkeys, uh, which is great. Great. Uh, now I want to hear you sing all of the different titles of the oh. Mandalorian. I look forward to your your new song, The Jedi. Uh, <laughs> and the reckoning all sorts of great songs uh the reckoning that that sounds almost more like a taylor swift song at this point yeah, anyway right <laughs> let's talk about the mandalorian uh, like i said this is chapter 15 the believer it is written and directed by rick famayua uh, it is about 36 36 36 ish minutes mm-hmm. there we go i didn't realize how difficult that was going to be to say uh this was you know yet another i think great episode of the mandalorian kind of different because it's coming off of uh some big episodes that are big to the mandalorian but also uh really focusing on some characters that are big outside of this actual show of ahsoka and boba fett so this one was in some ways to me back to business what was your overall reaction did you love it like it struggle with it how'd you feel I really uh, loved it i love what it made me think and what it made me ask and and sometimes um I, I, I discuss these shows and don't even know the answers yet for myself on what a lot of the stuff means. And this episode had some philosophy going. And I do say you addressed it. I, I think it's, it's natural. If you're listening, it's natural to feel a little let down. We just had two big episodes, two giant episodes with big reveals, sizzling reveals. So it's okay. Gather around the campfire, come in here. We're going to give you the permission to feel, oh, I don't know. The episode was a little different and I feel a little let down. And then there was a big news dump yesterday. And then, and we go into the Bill Burr episode. I don't know. I think all that's okay because it, you're going to find at this the center of this episode is some of the best uh, Mandalorian writing. And I loved it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, I think it is natural to feel just kind of the star Wars roller coaster of Ahsoka Boba Fett, a huge announcements at that Disney investor day uh, call yesterday. Um, but you know, I think for me as a star Wars fan, I think, yeah, Ahsoka returned uh, in an episode live action. Uh, Boba Fett came back into full action in the armor, full action in a way that we've uh, imagined for decades, but never fully seen on screen. That's big. But I think that we should not look away from the really huge, important Star Wars canon return that did happen in this episode. And that is the Slave One Sonic Charge, right? <laughs> I'm going to need a moment at uh, the, the the mere mention of the seismic charges. I, 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 you know, I'm not alone. I am not alone. I just, uh, you know, I've barfed up the words of praise for that charge enough on on shows that uh, people will tweet me about or anything like I it was one of the be- most beautiful moments in Star Wars history. Joe, <laughs> an hour on it. Yeah, it is insanely beautiful. Uh, yes, a seismic charge, uh, not sonic charge, but. Uh, Sonic does come to mind, uh, not because of the video game character, but because of the great lack of sound and then the mm-hmm. really, really great actual sound. Uh, so that that was fun to see that return. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, my for my overall reaction on this episode, uh, I think there's just really something special about Rick Famuyiwa, the way that he can blend action, comedy, and just depth, uh, whether that depth is coming from the utter tension of the scene or the real uh just thematic depth to the ideas of the show or what is super important to the character there is just this like really uh just in the soul weight to a lot of what he does 
But then there's also just this love of kind of, uh, you know, the fun of cinema and the fun of storytelling, which comes from the action and the comedy. And there's some moments where it's like, I kind of can't believe that all three of these things are really effectively happening at once. And there's no uh, tonal disagreement for me. You, you, you just, gosh, man, you, you were on the same page Be, in the second half of the show. We always love, love to go through little specific moments, which we're going to do. So I don't want to step on that too much for either of us, but there is a moment I like I, I action directorial choice and comedy moments. Those questions we asked our, ask ourselves each week. I think I have an answer for each one that's in the span of two seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's so, I, and we're probably going to have the same thing. So it's going to be yeah. really fun uh, yeah. to just nerd out about those. And the, this was one, it happens a lot in the Mandalorian where like the action moment or the comedy moment are a little hard to separate uh, because mm-hmm. they are married in a really great way. But this, this episode in particular, um, I think for me also the way that uh, the Mandalorian has, has had this goal to be telling this uh, big overarching story, but then also have each episode be its own sort of mission, its own sort of flavor. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I've said, the Jedi episode feels to me like it is something being told to you by a Jedi. It is it's just that slow breathing. And so every choice is distinct and on purpose. And then like the, uh, the Carl Weathers directed episode is like this 80s action comedy. This one felt to me like it is this fun a stealth heist buddy comedy, but it has big thematic depth, you know, Mm. and and particularly uh, when they're on the road in the transport, it's got this, um, there's always the depth there, but it's got a little bit of this, uh, this comedy that it doesn't come from, Oh, that was a funny line, but just the, the larger comedy of the situation, like these uh, Mayfeld and Din Djarin together are this great comedy duo of one who barely speaks barely emotes only says the absolute words he needs to in the other who just can't shut up and just won't shut up you know mm-hmm. a, a star wars character who has to tell you what they're doing while they're firing up the actual vehicle they're about to drive right <laughs> so there's this great it, it, almost like vaudeville like where you know it's uh, laurel and hardy you know one is very stern one is very childlike you know that that kind of contrast uh, that's the one who barely speaks and the one who can't shut up. And then you put them together and they're yeah. the worst stealth team imaginable. <laughs> both both people who tend to shoot first mm-hmm. walking into a place that is filled with people they absolutely hate. Uh, and for Mayfeld, mm-hmm. that's something that we learn later uh, in this episode. Yeah. For for our, our Mando, that's something we've known for a long time. He does not like... Uh, Imperial. So I, I kind of enjoyed it as it's got this great depth that is the heart of it, but on the surface, it's a little bit of this stealth heist buddy comedy. I agree that you also describe road trips with me and Makuga. So uh, I'm the one who stares stoically out the window and Josh wants to <laughs> sing and talk and dance. Uh, so I, I connected. Maybe that's another reason I connected to this episode. Um, yeah, this was if uh, Ocean, Soderbergh's Ocean Eleven paused in the middle for uh, a 10 minute conversation about why we do the things we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think for me on, on the, the big thematic level, uh, it, it was all very cohesive because uh, Din and, and Mayfeld are dealing with different things. But by the end, it felt like this episode that was about wrestling uh, with the morality of your path through the galaxy. And 
this great moral recentering where they both kind of came to this place of of standing on firmer ground than they started than they individually started in this episode. It's the the phrase that just came to my mind at the end is I just I felt like that was like a moral recentering for both Mayfeld and Mando. Yeah, you just you just coined you just coined the coined the phrase from my, that my mind was looking for to explain because uh, you, you do that uh, so well. Uh, I in in the, the big picture. Uh, we we talk about it later on, but like you know, season one and discovering identity and and learning things and codes and creeds and who you are and growing and reprogramming yourself. But I think as we head towards the final confrontation, exactly what you just said happened. It is a moral recentering and a and a confirmation of things for Mando uh, Mayfield as well, but for Mando as we head to that final fight and what that fight's going to be about. This was so key as he peels back the layers of who he is as a Mandalorian and as an individual with a found family. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last thing for me on the overall is just to talk about what wasn't there. Uh, this was an episode of the Mandalorian uh, where uh, we, the audience who often have the same demand that the client did of, we want to see the baby. Uh, we didn't see the baby. This, there was no Grogu. I kind of thought that we might cut back and forth between Mando's adventure and uh, the horror show that is probably happening uh, between Moff Gideon and Grogu. But I thought it actually worked really well to to have us feel what uh, Mando feels, which is mm -hmm. the total absence of his son. Yeah, the separation of it, right? And 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 how vulnerable he is and some of the choices he makes. And, and again, we'll, we'll discuss seeing Pedro's face and you can see a lot of it there. No, absolutely. It is. It is. You feel the absence. I'm curious. I haven't done my uh, partner watch, as you and I often do. I don't know if you've done yours. I, Grace hasn't seen this one yet. So I'm going to see what she does without Grogu making an appearance. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I haven't done my partner watch yet. And I'm going to have a hard time not just uh, staring at my partner the whole time. There, there are many partner reactions that I'm very, very yeah. curious about. Uh, yeah. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, both uh, Ken's girlfriend and my wife are big Star Wars fans, but uh, they don't do hours of podcasts every week. So we're always curious to see. Uh, it gives us a little bit of perspective on, you know, when some of the things go a little bit deeper uh, into Star Wars lore, how it affects them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the big themes, the big ideas. You were talking about kind of wrestling with the, trying to figure out what it, what it means to you and how it speaks to you. What do you feel mm -hmm. like I what were the ideas that were at stake in this episode for the characters or, or just for the, the themes of the episode? Yeah. Survey says, here's what I got. I get, it's, it's, it's all, it's all, all flows into belief, right? We're clearly flown out of that with the title of the episode, but challenges to belief is one thing. Uh, one thing that was really important to me. Uh, the, and I mentioned earlier, but the confirmation beliefs being forged by fire beliefs being challenged and, um, also, maybe what happens when you don't allow your beliefs to be challenged. I'm looking at the Imperials uh, for that one, too, uh, and the Officer Hess. Um, so that's that's my starting point, all based around that. And then I have a <laughs> my notes are a, uh, a shotgun uh, blast of uh, <laughs> of chaos on under the categories of belief and challenges to belief. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense, and and I think that that that's what's great about this episode is it is it it has a lot of complexity to it, and I think there are a lot of different ways uh, to approach it. Some episodes of Mandalorian are like when we talk about Clone Wars. Sometimes, like the big picture idea is stated in the title or the moral, and it mm -hmm. in in some ways it's it's clear. 
I think there are really clear ideas in this, but I think there are a lot of different ways to approach them. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes it really fascinating. Um, let me dive into a couple of thoughts I had and see how they, yeah. uh, what they tease out of the moments that, that spoke to you. Um, yeah. I think there's this ongoing theme of identity, obviously in the Mandalorian of, is he the man behind the mask or is he the mask? Who does he want to be? All those kind of things. Uh, but this one really pulled out that, uh, that everyone is kind of carrying this baggage of, of their own identity with them. Uh, we get that right away from just choosing who can go on this mission because everyone is like, Oh no, I am in the, uh, ISB, the Imperial security bureau's, uh, computer. I've, I've had dealings with the empire, uh, and Boba saying, I think that what Boba Fett is saying is, yeah, that computer that, that scans your face or scans your genetic code, uh, yeah, they have my genetic code because, you know, <laughs> they made a whole generation of troopers out of it when they were the Republic. Uh, but he says, let's just say they might recognize my face, which is yeah. a fun, colorful way to say, of course, they have my genetic code. Uh, but for me, that was a really delicious moment of identity because mm-hmm. we've talked about this a ton, uh, even before that it was rumored that uh, that Boba Fett would be coming back, that these are some of the things that we wanted out of seeing old man Fett yeah. of having Boba Fett actually wrestle with his, his history as a clone because he is a clone. So that was fun to just hear him say in just in the smallest way, acknowledge like, yeah, no, this isn't just my face. This isn't just my DNA. Uh, so there's that moment of identity there. Um, mm. I think the episode uh, deals with a lot of how Mayfield feels about who he is and whether or not, he is in Imperial, whether he identifies that or not. But I think the episode does some great just uh, setting the stakes early on by him kind of trying to deflect right away uh, and say, yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I was Imperial. That's a, a long time ago. And uh, Cara Dune wanting to just nope out of the agreement because she doesn't trust him and thinks if he goes on the transport alone, he'll just turn him in. So they they really set that up of, you know, is he or was he ever a true believer? And that I think is really about identity. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I think the big thing for me is uh, Mando's journey in this, Din Djarin's journey. This is an episode where he is stripped of everything that in his mind makes him a Mandalorian, that in his creed makes him a a Mandalorian. First having to give up the armor, uh, having to sort of compromise on like, well, I didn't let anyone see my face, but, you know, I did take my helmet off, so it isn't my face. It's I'm wearing the face of my enemy. Uh, I love, I love that he doesn't have his weapons and that that is driven home by the action scene where he's kind of gotten used to fighting in a certain way because his Beskar protects him. And I yeah. love that scene where they, he just gets waxed in the shoulder and then he he brings up his wrist for defense, which we've seen recently, like, Normally, that's a move to stop two lightsabers yeah. <laughs> and that cheap Imperial armor just falls apart and he has to really fight, you know, uh, and, and I love it when action that just looks cool is speaking to the trauma of what the character is uh, is going through. Um, and I think it's powerful that he is forced to dress specifically as his hated enemy. Uh, we've seen tons of of Star Wars characters. We've seen uh, almost most Star Wars heroes on screen (laughs) dress up as Imperials, but this was different for him because it's the armor. Um, Saved by ties, you know, that I think that is a a blow to his identity. And then, of course, the the big moment of 
making that choice to take the helmet off, even the stormtrooper helmet, the imperial helmet. Uh, it, it's it, it's this great intersection where, in order to redefine his own identity, he sort of has to strip himself of his identity and and really just gets into some of the great core stuff that that was set up in the in the first season of by showing himself by actually showing himself uh, he is stripping himself of identity which is this great subversion of the way we think about identity right of like yeah. if you see my face if you see my truth uh then you're not seeing who i am <laughs> yeah yeah so so th- those are all the ideas of uh of identity that that spoke to me what do you think about that approach to looking at this episode uh it's 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 spot on and i think often uh, chapter two continues to be i think my overall favorite episode even though some of the episodes get bigger and i i love chapter eight i love the last couple of weeks i i always go back to chapter two which was if i mean you had directing uh and, and how just bare it was and how it was just uh, it, it was introspective and and there's not a lot of characters in that episode this one a little more characters but it's it it's a spiritual continuation of that and so everything you're saying i, I the, the 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 quote the, the high sparrow quote from game of thrones which goes into different things of what will we uh, find when we strip away your finery uh you are describing the importance of that action sequence uh, it is, he loses the mask eventually, but everything about it uh, is about him himself, not who he is uh, on, on the surface. Uh, you said the ma- the Mando versus the, the man. Um, all that's just on display during that fight. And then I add in other little wrinkles of Mayfield and Cara Dune, uh, him just saying, calling her a rebel dropper. Uh, and that be in her identity. I mean, it's tattooed on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and identity, like you said. And you and I have talked about, uh, it was the last week, uh, it was the episodes rolling one of, of titles, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And what titles mean and, and, and going beyond that. So, yeah, to what a great use of an action sequence that, you know, when you watch an episode at one in the morning the first time, you're just kind of like, cool, they're fighting. And then you, you have to, you, you almost have to like rub your eyes and focus on what you're seeing action sequences are supposed to kind of uh, inform you of the character. And, and that's exactly what happened. So I'm on board with what you're saying here. Strip away the finery. Yeah. And it just, I feel like this, it, you know, I, I think it's, you know, naturally where the story arc is going, but it also just really speaks to the other episodes that Rick Famuyiwa directed. You know, chapter two mm-hmm. is the one where he says, you know, uh, weapons, are, I'm a Mandalorian weapons are practic practically are my religion, yeah. you know? And, he gets pushed in chapter six in the prisoner of like, I, you're in Mandalorian. You're supposed to be so badass. And then he, you know, goes around the hallway and takes out all those, you know, uh, uh, new Republic security droids. And everybody's like, okay, you actually are a badass, but it's just this, this symphony of, uh, of Mandalorian weapons. And in this episode gets down to like, you are not a flamethrower. You are not, you know, your, your ripcord rope. <laughs> yeah. You are you, you are, you know, your skills, your abilities and what you care about, what you choose, Mm -hmm. you know? I could keep saying driven by love and compassion and, you know, dare we say that Star Wars word we all hate or or, are afraid of attachment. Uh, You know, that's there. It's it's him. It's just his face. It it was very important to have uh, have that moment with with Pedro and to see his eyes, to see him working through it. Uh, I loved that. Love that choice. Yeah, it was such a surprising, great way to see his face that it was just a, a practical, like, 
you know, he, he, there, there's so many moments in this episode where people are like, let's bail on this. Cara Dune says it, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mayfeld says it a couple times and, and you know the stakes for him and he cannot bail on this mission. He has decided, you know, it, it's, it's his quest uh, from the armor, but it's also his, his truth. It's his, it's, yeah. he'll, he'll never see the child again. Um, you know, so, so to see him, forced into taking off the mask in such a different way was a really fun surprise. Absolutely. The, the only weapon he truly had was himself. Yeah. Uh, the, the weapon that could save the day was his beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> we call him brown eyes. <laughs> call him brown eyes. Um, yeah, I want to dive into what you're talking about because I think this is the other big theme for me, which is a, a continuation of, a, I think, uh, big ideas that are developing in Mandalorian and, and were really in focus this season, which is this theme of do you choose the personal relationships or do you choose your faction your order you know, your creed you know the what what's on the label versus just who are you and kind of the individual mm -hmm. versus the larger group um i think that has been uh in the show a lot but it's been zeroing in on lately of you know ahsoka is a jedi because of her actions not because of the label uh, Boba pledges allegiance to no one, but he still has his honor. And, and so these are characters who are examples for Din who are making choices that, sure, whatever, if you want to hand me that label, fine. I'm defining myself on my actions and my relationships. Uh, Bo-Katan is, I think, the symbol of somebody who's like, no, I, I am a representation uh, of Mandalore. Uh, and I do care about the order, the faction, the group, the label but I also care about individuals. I'm taking time to kind of bring this wounded cult member into the fold. I care about people too, but I care about the big picture. So we've seen this idea of who do you care about, you know, the individuals around you, your relationships, or this big picture idea of who you are a lot in this season. And then this episode, I think, as you were saying, does some great uh, reminder of that, of uh, Kara is Cara doing the marshal of the new Republic and is she just going to blindly follow those rules or is she going to make her own choices based on personal interactions as she does with Mayfeld letting him go. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a law, a big part of the episode is about Mayfeld making this argument that people are just people. And then everybody gets all uptight about, are they Mandalorians? Are they from Alderaan? Are they new Republic? Are they empire? Are the Mandalorian people are just, people and what matters is the person next to you and i think he wrestles with that from a couple different uh perspectives and then you know everything that din does is struggling against this creed that has meant everything to him because his relationship with grogu is more important so it's a lot of these great uh looks at individual versus your sort of faction or order or title yeah, I wrote down the the note, this is the way, helping people before creeds, uh, even going a little bit last week with, with Cara Dune, we saw that, like you said, she's got her new fancy job, and she's going to hold to those rules until, what did you say about Grogu, or the little green friend? So yeah, it starts from there, carries over from last week, and just continues to roll down, and some of the more fascinating stuff in this episode was the cynicism of Mayfeld, and I love analyzing where that comes from, but where that can lead. And he himself says, no, you know, no lines are crossed until things get messy. Uh, to me, that ends up coming back on him. 
and he crosses a little line that he had put him uh, put in front of himself, right? So I think it's easy. If we're Mando in that scene, we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't take my mask off. That's a line. Da, 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 da. But but focus on his words, Mayfeld's, and then and, and in his own life. That's what made this episode really powerful for me. It's not the Mayfeld show. It's definitely the Mando show. So I want to see how it all affects Mando. But that that made that moment powerful of of just like yeah 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 you'll you'll cross a line when it gets messy when you're faced with some of those truths and this idea of people before creeds and that creed could be very hands off right it's very similar to last jedi and dj stuff it's it's a big star wars theme star wars wants you to choose light bad no gray doesn't mean there's no complicated areas it doesn't mean you can't question some things doesn't mean you want to cling to uh absolutes uh, it's about people uh, and compassion and all those big themes, as George says. Uh, I hope you take some of these things and put in your life uh, and where it matters. And just don't take the rest of it too seriously. Uh, there's, that's George's point. Uh, <laughs> and anyways, all that all that into what you just said. This is the way, helping people before creeds. Yeah, and I think maybe that, that was a great connection to larger Star Wars themes in, in helping me, I think, sort of crystallize what I think is going on with Mayfeld is I think he is starting in the transport scene where he is poking at uh mm-hmm. at mando he is starting from a perspective of ah they're all the same organizations kind of don't matter whereas mm-hmm. where i think he comes to and, and what i think some of the philosophy that lucas is espousing is yeah there's nothing wrong with organizations but you know the the galaxy the world isn't one size fits all there aren't rigid rules for every moment that you need to be mindful of the people that you are dealing with in this moment. What do they need? And does that maybe trump or bend what the rigidity of the order or the creed or the government says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I The the Mayfield stuff, you, you and I were talking after. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there too. Um, and <laughs> just the amazing use of Bill Burr as Bill Burr to prove a point against him a little it's it was it was fantastic writing yeah yeah no yeah i meant to say that in our uh in our overall uh reactions is yeah bill burr as a comedian is not always my favorite i think uh, for myself for my taste sometimes his comedy comes from this uh perspective of the way things are it makes sense and anything that deviates that is is weird um and, and i sometimes uh appreciate the comedy that has uh, like a little bit more of a david letterman perspective where he's like here's what we think is normal <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and there's some fundamental different ways to look at comedy. But I do think uh, Bill Burr is obviously really funny. And I thought he was great uh, playing a little bit of that kind of sarcastic pushback on everything mm-hmm. guy in The Prisoner. And I thought he was phenomenal as an actor in this uh, in this episode. I thought that he played both that I'm, I'm going to push back on everything. I'm going to be kind of hyperverbal. I'm going to poke at everything and if, if i see a scab i'm gonna pick it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and including we learn to himself uh yeah. but then when he has those moments where you know where he makes the choice where we see how devastated he is uh by operation cinder and what happened mm-hmm. and how much it feels like he has not been dealing with that you know he says mm-hmm. later i had to get some stuff off my chest yeah (laughs) you know there's definitely some fun toxic masculinity going on i think of like the only way i could deal with my emotions is to is to shoot them um but i i think he does just a really great job and uh and i think he plays that he plays that cocky character who is who is being cocky and aggressive 
partially because that's the truth of, of his character and partially because that's just how he's getting reactions out of people, how he's figuring people yeah. out. But then there was those great moments where he just he he just he seems a little broken down in the New Republic prison. Like he's gonna be killed. And at the end he does he seems like he truly can't believe that he's such a cynic, everything sucks, everybody's stupid, nobody listens, this is dumb, that's dumb. That that moment of like, so this is real. You're letting me go. <laughs> like he yeah. turns around and kind of puts his hands up like I really thought you were gonna shoot you're, you're really not shooting me in the back? You're really letting me go? Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you, when, what will we find when we strip away your finery? It goes back to that. You pull every, his finery is his defenses, his comedy, his, uh, oh, you, you'd be pretty, uh, what a sunny disposition. And uh, everything about him is what you said. It's picking at a scab. Wow. It's it's picking at a scab with a knife. Yeah. And I think it would be easy. Oh, the to- shame. What would they say about you on Mandalore? Yeah. Right, right. And it, it would be so easy. It's similar to things we have discussed before in, in the sequel trilogy era specifically, where sometimes a lot of the words of the villains or a lot of the words of someone like Kylo Ren, a villain in flux, are taken as gospel or taken as the themes. And we in our own lives, I think, can uh, can it's easy. It's easy to go low. It's easy to go cynical because I, I think cynicism is based in some some truths that you could easily, you know, some surface level stuff or just some things and go, well, yeah, you, you are right about that. What, what, what does it all matter then? It comes from somewhere. Cynicism comes from somewhere. And, and it's different to me than sarcasm. I can be sarcastic too. And uh, sarcastic is a, is a weapon of the week. I've heard one say, eh, all right, but it's also funny, but uh, cynicism is deeper and it's, and it's darker. Um, and it comes from pain. And, and I think that, that those two, con- those two moments, it's the Mayfield double feature here, <laughs> the, 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 the cockpit when they're there or, or the, you know, the control room when they're driving, whatever you want to say. Um, and, and, and then the, the, the great, uh, mess hall scene that a lot of people are, are loving. And yeah, and that's the heart of the episode, that stuff for me and what it does for Mando. Again, this is the Mandalorian. So I love seeing him kind of learn from that or being questioned, I think. And I think that's the only, that, that's, it's okay when I, I'm thinking when Obi-Wan says, you know, only Sith deal in absolutes, but you and I also believe, you know, there's no great Jedi. The, the, it's, the difference to me there, and I, maybe I'm explaining it in a layman's way here. You're, you're the Obi-Wan guy here, but <laughs> um, it, you want to be challenged. You want to be pushed. You want to have those lines crossed to, uh, when it gets messy so you can figure out who you are. Right. Um, and not clinging to an absolute clinging to a creed before people. So Mayfeld is a great tool to challenge Mando. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that is the, to me, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi philosophy from a certain point of view of, you know, we see that a lot in the Clone Wars of he wants to try to see things from different points of view. He wants to challenge himself because when you challenge yourself, sometimes you encounter something that you're like, wow, I didn't see it that way. I was wrong. And other times by challenging yourself, you reaffirm something that you already believed and now you really know like, yes, I, I am correct in, 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 in my position that it is mm-hmm. right for me. I believe in it. And I think it's that kind of challenging of mm-hmm. what parts of your creed, what parts of being a Mandalorian, what parts of being a new Republic uh, person truly matters. And, and I think it's exactly that. It's not, it's not this, uh, well, they screwed up. So they all suck. Everybody sucks. It's all BS. It's let's challenge our beliefs because sometimes the beliefs we get from our, our, you know, orders, our institutions, our governments, when we challenge them, we find out, yeah, we really believe that and it matters. And sometimes when we challenge them, we go, 
yeah, but isn't that just kind of rigid and it doesn't apply right here? You know, it, it, it does. It speaks to the value of uh, of knowing when to be flexible and knowing when to stand your ground. Yeah. And sometimes does this make sense. Even reaffirming the changes going on inside you. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, let, let's talk. I wanted to talk a little bit just more about uh, kind of the the progression of of the mm-hmm. arguments that Mayfeld seems to be making. And you think you're saying some great things about it. We're talking about the Mayfeld show. But it, what happens on The Mandalorian often is he encounters different characters going through things with different uh, perspectives and then it affects him. And I think this episode is is one of the most powerful for that. You know, we get that set up of. Uh, Mayfell is poking at him and he says, you know, let me get the, let me be really clear. We are nothing alike. Uh, Mayfeld right. says, I don't know. It seems to me like your rules start to change when you get desperate, which is the, the cynical way <laughs> to describe right. flexibility. But, you know, from, from the get go in the transport scene, you know, Mayfeld is basically preaching that people matter over institutions that uh, the right. you know, he, he shows some empathy for the people on Morak on that planet and say, uh, doesn't matter. Empire, New Republic, uh, they're all just invaders. Uh, and, and he makes this kind of argument that, you know, individuals are formed by where they come from. You're raised on Mandalore. You, you believe one thing you're uh, raised on Alderaan or <laughs> whatever his twisted pronunciation of it was, which I loved. We will get to the Battle of Tanab or Tanab of it all. <laughs> I love that they just let actors say it. Say it how you're going to say it. Uh, it's a great a Star Wars tradition continuing. Uh, so he makes that argument. He really pokes at Mando's creed and really challenges it with like, well, so what is it? Are you just not allowed to have anybody see your face or are you not supposed to take the Mando helmet off? There's a difference. That really yeah. did sound like, you know, absolute, as you were saying off air, like a, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Mayfeld experience. You're on- <laughs> yeah, but come on, aren't you full of crap there, Mando? Uh, so he's he's poking at that creed, and I think that creed really attaches to you know factions and order. Uh, and then as everything breaks down, we realize that this is coming from somewhere for Mayfeld that he might have just been cynical of like whatever the Empire is the person who's in control now, and I and I work with them. Uh, but the people I care about are the the ones that I that I serve, you know, or the people that I see on the ground, just the common people just trying to defend their homes. I kind of have some empathy for them. And we learn that Operation Cinder, mm. where uh, this Imperial Valen Hess just obliterated a town and, and he in Mayfeld goes through all those individual people trying to live their their, you know, lives, their individual lives of there's some freedom fighters there just trying to protect their homes all those people I served with. And you see that that is what, what breaks him. That is what he's wrestling with when he's talking to, to Mando. Mm-hmm. And in particular, what seems to, to break him, which I think is this great extension of this theme. We've been talking about the, the individual versus the order or faction. Mm-hmm. This episode, I think, drilled down into making that also about sort of the idea of personal freedom versus order like capital o order like the empire first order chaos versus order so personal freedom versus order and it, that seems to be the argument that really breaks him from valen hess that's mm. that uh, a common thing that we've heard from star wars characters and you know real life dictators that people think they want personal freedom but what they really want is to be controlled 
by this better order. Uh, so they don't need to worry about, you know, all of these confusing choices of life. The order will take care of it for them. So there's that that thematic idea of of Valen Hess basically saying nobody actually wants personal freedom. They want to be dominated and controlled by a larger organization. And then the sort of explicit reality of that, of it in functional reality, I'm going to use this uh, rodinium that you delivered to do more things like Operation Cinder. I'm going to kill people, just people, the kind of people you care about, Mayfeld, in order to prove to them that they need my protection. So there's a sort of philosophical freedom doesn't matter. And in order to prove that, I'm going to take a bunch of people's freedom away, says Valen Hess, and I have made you complicit in it. And to see that idea just break Mayfeld, uh, and at the same time, it really hits home for for Din because he is locked into this this creed, but he is in the middle of breaking it to save Grogu. And it is that same... What do you need? Do you need this list of rules? Do you need marching orders for the armor? And that's what makes life worth living? Or is it more about your personal freedom to make your choices? And this whole episode is about Mando breaking the creed because saving his son is more important. Yeah, and and just kind of openly referring and and um just kind of inferring that that's what's going on it's his son right we got that from ahsoka on we've all pelly's the one who pointed out first right but but now it's just out there in the open and you you talk about the breaking of the creed uh, and the armor and just how now the, the the it's it's no longer a mission right this is now a purpose for mandalorian for for din yeah and and that kind of resonated for me too of just again it, it, the mask is off for now it's back on um and you know it's cool. I'd, I'd wear that mask too. But uh, the 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 man behind it is 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 changing rapidly, and why he's doing this is rapidly. And we'll get to the end. That 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 voice message for Gideon was great. Oh it my comes, gosh! Yes, comes out of that kind of stuff for me as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I I'd be happy to just uh, chat a little bit about that right now if you want. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it is so great to me because it's taking this theme of who do you fight for? Uh, do you fight for your individual freedom, for your personal relationships, or do you fight for a, an order, a list of rules? And the original speech from Gideon, you know, he's saying the exact same words, but they have totally different meaning now because yeah. when Gideon first said them, it was an allegiance to an order. It was an allegiance to the empire. And when Din is saying them, it's allegiance to his son. And it, it was so powerful to me. Yeah, it is. Um, I didn't write the exact words of the speech now last year or this year. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It, it reminds me a lot of what we've talked to, about with Leia, Han and Luke and, and Kylo and Ben Solo and in the sequel era of just like the Han's connection, Leia's connection and, and Luke losing him and, and not being the one to be able to get it back. It's all that kind of and found family being key here, but that the power behind that voice message, man, is the is the joke that referred to it as, but just the the hollow. Um, gosh, it is it is him just going, he he means more to me than you will ever understand. 
Like that's daddy time now. And that's powerful. That's powerful, man. And uh, yeah. And Gideon, you know, he, he smiles a little bit. He's ready for a fight, but also there's a little bit of uh, a flicker of fear, flicker of fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, in some ways, it's it's a great setup, obviously, just for next week of like the big mm-hmm. uh, finale, the the fight for Grogu, um, the Beskar spear versus the Darksaber. That, uh, it's all great and it's going to be great. But it's also this, um, how, what was this tease of like how, how much is, how far along in his journey, his emotional journey is Din Djarin because mm-hmm. he's, He's not giving up his armor. He's not like, you're right. I should walk around free with <laughs> my face exposed always. Um, but he is valuing challenging the creed in certain situations in order to prioritize his love and his protection of Grogu. Uh, but, and I feel like all that is is there in that speech so powerfully. But there's also kind of a little bit of going back to to the basics of why does he choose to send that voice message? Because he could just surprise, right? But instead, right. he chooses to attempt to intimidate and scare the bleep out of Moff Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's really a, like, the armor is on, I am an unstoppable Mandalorian, and you have crossed me. You have, you know, you think Mandalorians are tough when they've just been given an assignment and they're being paid. I'm going to show you what a Mandalorian can be when you have crossed their family <laughs> but there's a little bit of that like i know the mask causes fear i'm wearing the mask and i'm sending a message to put you off your game yeah. because i want you terrified of me yeah um <laughs> it's 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 akin to uh kurt russell and tombstone you tell him i'm coming and hell's coming with me and i just love that from an old <laughs> western standpoint <laughs> yes and also could you tell my son i love him yeah <laughs> Not quite there yet. Uh, yeah. So, any other any other thoughts on on big uh, big thematic ideas? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll slide some of it down because we're in hour seven of just this theme discussion. But it's powerful <laughs> stuff. No, it, it it's powerful stuff. It makes you it makes you think. It makes you look on your own life and 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 the position and and and, and you know just um, it's very easy. I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, I'm a I'm a you know, a stand-up comic who loves a drink in one hand and and uh, some uh, sarcasm in the other. It's you. You. It's very easy for me personally to to hear Mayfield stuff up top and go, "Yeah, he's he's not wrong," and stop there. Yeah. And, and th- this this episode keeps going for a reason. Yeah. No. I mean, and I will say for myself that is definitely a personal journey that I have been on over my life, and I think people you know who who listen to Four Center. Uh, think of me as, you know, positive guy, light side guy, but you know, I, I, a lot of my life was comedy and a lot of my life was snark and, you know, it took me a long time to be, feel comfortable being sincere to the people in my life because snark and sarcasm is safer. In some ways it feels more honest because like you're pointing out things that suck and you're not letting the wool be pulled over your eyes. And, uh, but, but it's a danger to me to also stop there and just you know, lean up against the bar with the glass and be the one who always can tell you why things are bad or wrong or dumb, but then isn't doing the truly frightening thing of trying to make a difference or, you know, the truly frightening thing of uh, taking your metaphorical helmet off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you're first of all, when I used to show up to Joseph's house for force center, he'd be like, Oh, the shame, the shame. It was really bad. We had to work through it. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no. What you're, you're saying, 
you, you talk about the philosophy of Force Center here too. Of, of uh, that's sometimes when you look at even just covering Star Wars, of like, oh, how could you fall for it, shills? That's one that I'm so angry and push beyond that because it's like, no, nah, I, I, I make it a, I could stop there, you know. I, I did like Starkiller bases, a third Death Star. Could have ended my conversation. Could have ended my understanding of Star Wars. And, and I'm not patting myself or you on the back. Well, I'll pat you on the back. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, to, to be able to to, to find the, the the strength to push through that, um, which Mayfail does and Mando's doing and has. I, and that's why this episode was is powerful to me. Yeah, and it's got that real tender moment, right, of uh, as tender as uh, two characters like this are going to get, of Mayfeld, after all that poking, looking away and handing him his helmet and saying, I didn't see anything, you know? And after revealing a little bit of emotion himself, Mando really connecting with it, uh, and then trying to go like, but we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we always talk about the chapter title. Uh, how did you ultimately come down after we kind of wrestle with all these ideas? The Believer. Is this is about, is that a title that is referencing Mayfeld and asking, is he a true believer of the empire? Is he a true believer of him, of you know, the power of the people? What do you think that title is about? I think it's a three-way dance of belief. It is It, it is mostly probably, uh, you know, if, at the conclusion of writing the script, what are you going to, title it oh the believer and mayfeld goes some stuff and what does the believer mayfeld you know do and cause in mando but mando is a believer of of many things and learning about those things including that he may have been raised in a cult <laughs> he's still dealing with that and i still have a lot of love for the armor i i am not in this throw the armor on the fire uh, camp uh, i want to learn more about her if, if maybe hopefully we will more about his upbringing i hope we see the armor again She's got some, she's got some explaining to do, but I also, <laughs> I also, uh, you know, want to know where it comes from anyway. So it's that, but also Valen Hess, the officer, he's a believer. He's a real, real certain uh, believer. Uh, he is convinced about a lot of things. And uh, when you run up against that, again, this three-way dance of belief is the way I look at it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you are spot on. I think it is about the, the fear early on that Mayfeld is a true believer of the empire and then realizing that uh, he is wrestling with what he believes, but he, he he comes around to you know taking a choice. He he takes that uh, shot, and mm-hmm. when he doesn't need to, and really underlines it of like it wasn't part of the plan, you know, but had to get something off my chest. And choosing to take that shot that will free other people from basically attacks by the empire, uh, and it is taking that shot that that frees himself. So I think we see that that's that's his ultimate uh, belief is in you know, personal yeah. freedom and, and helping the little guy, as it were, totally agree with you. Valen Hess is a terrifying, terrifying mm-hmm. true believer. And Mando is still trying to figure out he is a believer at heart, but what is yeah. it that he believes right now? Yeah. And I want to final note on, on, on uh, well, not final note, but you made me think of something about Mayfield or just the, the use of uh, you just got to, you know, if you can get to sleep at night, that's all you need. You're survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Uh, Dottie, I'm a rebel. I'm a loner. Um, but that, and at the end where you, like you just said, yeah, it wasn't part of the plan, but I yeah, need, need to get some things off my chest. We're all just trying to sleep at night for him himself to discover what those two, two paths were. Yeah. One was to me, ignoring everything that's gone before, ignoring the pain, ignoring the trauma, ignoring what was done and what you were a part of. And now what you can do about it and which one's going to make you sleep better. And that's just a little bit of what's going on there with that too. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. I think maybe a, a great way to sum up that Mayfeld arc is early on, he is trying to take himself off the hook by saying, ah, they're all the same. And and when he makes choices to do things like to get rid of that uh, rodinium, he's putting himself back on the hook. He is stepping aside from the cynicism and taking some responsibility so that he could sleep at night. Mm. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, we've, I think we've touched on some of the larger Star Wars themes that we see reflected in this episode, but uh, is there anything else that you wanted to focus on there? I mean, yeah, I, I almost will slide down. I, the, the, the whole mess hall scene could go in here as well. We can dive in more into that. Uh, but I, I, some of the larger themes, uh, things that pop up in other Star Wars stories, and I, and I love that uh, that's part of the emotional canon, uh, is uh, in, the, in the thematic lore, uh, margins of the galaxy still at play, going through that uh, village. It's a it's a small little scene. It's a small little detail. Uh, just even honking of the horn. Uh-uh. Get out of the way of us. Get out of the way. You're in our way. You're here. And that that close shot. The look of the kid. Great, great decision to you know just really take that moment, focus on it. Um, and combining that moment with, um, we've outlasted them, son. They're eating themselves alive. The New Republic is complete disarray. We grow stronger. That is the two sides of that. Like he's Hess is not even wrong about stuff that we either know, have heard, read about in Aftermath, or expect from in some of our Star Wars storytelling now in this time period. Leia and Mothma and Akbar and everyone we know and love are trying to set up this government. And they won. They danced on Endor. And it's a struggle. And part of the reason it's a struggle is the margins of the galaxy are very wide right now. They're still very wide. We've seen that a lot Going back to season one, what do you want to go to Coruscant and go to those mid rims, the core rim and file a report, Mando? Do it. Do it. To, to grief, Cargus still say it. You know, the Empire couldn't settle us. How could the New Republic do it? All that's at play. And that's a big Star Wars theme. It's uh, it's it's winning and ruling being different things or, you know, Mayfield talked about the, the rulers and the rule. It, it, it's, it's all part of that larger Star Wars story. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a lot of great gray area stuff. We get to see that the new Republic prison, which, you know, for the most part, looks um, it lo- does look like a droid will shock you if you <laughs> if you don't follow along. But it is like, yeah, yeah the new Republic, like they're trying like, right, they've, they've got, you know, people there cutting up all those old ties. Uh, you know, it's not it, it doesn't look, you know, horribly cruel. Doesn't look great either. They're trying. You know, we got Carson Teva going around deputizing uh, people in the uh, outer rim and, and apparently giving her some real power. So, yeah, we, yeah, there is plenty of of gray area as the New Republic struggles. But what I really liked in, in this episode for the larger Star Wars storytelling along those uh, themes is Mayfeld does make that argument of they're just the same. It's very DJ. They're just the same. And yeah. I think the story of Star Wars is they're not. And this episode drives that home it's like yeah the new republic can be flawed the jedi can be flawed but having one flaw doesn't mean you are the same as somebody who believes in utter tyranny and greed and selfishness Mm -hmm. and i think that that mayfeld makes that kind of cynical argument that has you know some validity and some things that should be discussed but just cynical and that's and that's where the conversation is going to stop for him and then the whole episode hinges on the utter pointless cruelty of operation cinder of just burn parts of the galaxy to prove we still have power so they fear us and then that that he uh, valen hess makes it super clear uh 
He says, uh, you see, with the Rhydonium you've delivered, we can create havoc that's going to make Burning Khan just pale by comparison. He's directly saying, we are going to create horrific chaos to cause fear. And then we're going to step in and say, hey, look, the galaxy is so disordered. You need us to help you, which is that's the Clone Wars, right? Palpatine mm-hmm. created a, a problem for the galaxy to be afraid of. And they went to their worst instinct, instincts and gave up their freedom. And here's Valen Hesse and basically like, we're going to do that again. The New Republic is not out there going, we're going to, you know, fake basically terrorist attacks. So you think you need us, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and they'll, they'll come back. They'll come back. They want us. The, the, you see, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I, I'll talk about that in a second on, uh, on something else. But yeah, yeah, I love that. Love that connection. Yeah. Uh, then the last thing for me for big Star Wars storytelling is uh, I just I, I like it when the actual path of the episode just sort of like physically does have a mythic feel to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The the, the uh, road buddy comedy trip uh, in the transport is fun. And then they literally descend into this dark belly of the beast where they they have to pretend to be Imperials and they have to face, uh, you know, really uh, horrific and scary things. And it's dark, and then they literally ascend to the roof, and you know, slave one, and take mm-hmm. off into the sky. I like it when just visually, their the character's literal path feels uh, mythic. Oh yeah, yeah, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars. Yep, Star Wars. Uh, as we wrap up our first uh, first half, or we'll see <laughs> how long we talk this week. Was there anything you disliked or questioned? Well, I so I wanted to. It's an ongoing conversation, and and. Um, with myself uh, mostly, and I have a lot of conversations with myself, um, especially on road trips. Uh, so I, I continue to bang this drum of when does the New Republic get involved? And you know, I guess after this week, the answer is in the Rangers of the New Republic, which again I'll say every week now, Carson Tevin needs to be a part of. I love that character. Um, I uh, the reason be it's not just well, hey, I read Aftermath, and this is what I got. I read all the comics, and this is what I believe is the story. There's always room to find more of these stories. It's not a retcon. I, I, I don't, I'm one who doesn't use that term often, uh, unless they said, uh, you know, the Empire won at Endor. <laughs> that, <laughs> I would call that propaganda. Yeah, that would be propaganda or just a retcon. Um, so I needed this. There's something about this mess hall scene that goes to the big themes, but there's something that I needed. And I don't I don't want to worry about what I need in every episode. I want to you know, find out what the show has given all of us. But I needed to hear Valid has kind of explain who is left, uh, what they believe. referencing cinder which also references the contingency plan which subtly references those who are not there anymore in the empire who are now in the unknown regions part of the uh you know palpatine said we can go to this ship you all go to the sun uh you know that 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 all connects to me but that exactly what you've just been discussing so i don't need to spend too much time on it but valen has explaining those who are left we are on the outside we are not the empire as it once was. We are a remnant, and he, and he doesn't say it exactly, but the people will want us back. And we had Boba Fett last week saying, the empire, they're back. <laughs> um, and, and so it connects me to that, but I just kind of needed to hear that to, to ex- explain to myself maybe that, yeah, this is why the New Republic is, is yet to really, not pay attention to it, but deal with it. 
and, and have, I have faith that they'll deal with it more now. Um, and it's just a small little detail that every week I just keep going. I get Favreau wanted to have a bunch of stormtroopers fighting. <laughs> it didn't line up right away. Uh, initially, well, last season when a bunch of dirty, broken stormtroopers kind of did, but then now there's bases and there's uh, Imperial cruisers and they're still getting their outfits from somewhere. They're crisp and clean. <laughs> and a bunch of people believe how and why I want to know. And like, even the fact that there was a, like a, a, a controller going, uh, you know, transport three, stay on your path. I'm like, they're, they're, they're not just hanging out. They are still organized this yeah. group, but I needed to, I needed that, um, so, cause I question it almost every week and, and that was a good answer for me again, just for me, that's something I, maybe other people will connect with, but it's, it doesn't take away from any enjoyment. It just, it really affected me in that way. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think a great detail this week was that they were pretty successfully hidden, right? That Mando was like, there's nothing on that planet. He's like, actually, there yeah. you know, yeah. so it does start to get to the picture of like, oh, maybe, maybe a guy like Moff Gideon, it's making a little bit of noise, but you know, we, we got that information that, you know, the new Republic is struggling to get a foothold in the outer rim, even if they, you know, claim that they're, they're mm-hmm. there, uh, because that, uh, is what Fennec Shan said last week is that it's under the jurisdiction, but they're, you know, Carson Tev is yeah. like, it's pretty much me and sometimes Wolf <laughs> yeah. flying around out here. Uh, so I'm deputizing people. Yeah. So you start to get that picture of like, okay, well, maybe Moff Gideon can make a little bit of noise out here because there isn't enough presence. And, you know, how many bases like this are successfully hidden right now? So, yeah, maybe they get reports, but they're not confirmed. And they just, you know, there isn't enough to uh, to justify some big action from the New Republic until Rangers of the New Republic. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they're, they're eating themselves alive. That choice of... of um that phrase there just really spoke to me of just like, yeah, that's probably what's happening. And again, the cynicism of it to look at it and go, yeah, you got uh, two political parties here in the New Republic fighting it out. and Mothma wants to stand down and who, you know, other people don't. And it's very easy to just to, to stop at that. And that's kind of what the Empire is banking on y'all doing. The leftover, you know, look at that. Look at that. And they're everyone's going to want us back after we destroy many people. They'll want us back. Just yeah. wait. It's a, I think it is why I always uh, want to discuss uh, their flaws, but then also advocate for justice for both the Jedi and the New Republic. It's yeah. a difficult path to walk, and they slip. And then when they slip, you know, people like Fallon Hesco, see, <laughs> they're 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 bad too. And like, no, <laughs> yeah. they they made some mistakes, but they're yeah. not. They're, you yeah. know, they're the people at the bar going, "We didn't need Solo." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, uh, Couple other things for me. Um, I, I, I'm. I think this is this is not a huge criticism. It's it was just something that I noticed. Is I would have just loved more from Fennec Shand. Um, I think the show does a great job. Is it's uh, piling up this super team of juggling uh, who gets time. There wasn't a lot of Boba Fett in this episode, but the Boba Fett stuff that was there was super awesome. We'll we'll talk about it when we talk canon. Uh, but I, there it was. Ming-Na Wen is so amazing and, and Fennec Shand is such an intriguing character. I would have liked a little bit more, uh, you know, a moment or two. But, you know, she gets off a lot of good shots, literally. A great sniper sequence. I did love that. But no, I agree with that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a little weird to watch somebody who I think is as amazing as she is in the background of an episode. Um, and then uh, I think uh, I think this isn't anything I disliked. I think it is something that made me um, really interested in how the conversation is going to continue. Cause we talked uh, a lot about 
I think this this episode is really advocating and, and previous episodes did as well that personal relationships and uh, individuals matter. And that's kind of the life goal that Mayfeld is coming to by the end of this of, you know, if you can get through your day and sleep at night, you're doing better than most of just take care of yourself and take care of the person next to you. And I do think that is in real world terms, admirable and great. But I also think that there is room to say, yeah, organizations are flawed, but also sometimes that is how we get true community. That is how we get true consensus. That's how we you know, move forward is having larger organizations that actually work. And I'm really interested to see if that idea is going to be represented more by Bo-Katan or Ahsoka because they're both characters, you know, mm-hmm truly care about the individual right next to them in the moment they're in, but also take a huge responsibility for the the whole and for the big picture. And, you know, there've been a lot of great, uh, I think, accurate, fun jokes of like uh, the Mandalorian is like going just hell for leather, trying to do everything he can to complete his quest of the week. And then he bumps into Bo-Katan and he's like, oh, I'm trying to free our entire people. <laughs> he bumps into Ahsoka and she's like, I'm trying to stop horrible imperial remnants he's like cool bye <laughs> i i've got a side quest to complete uh and, and i think there's there's that idea of like is the mandalorian gonna gonna keep being a show that is so focused on the individuals in the individual moment or at some point is uh din going to become a part of a larger organization a larger community that he truly believes in and sees the value of you know fighting for the the whole we will find that out in season three of Mando, season two of Rangers, and season one, episode six of Ahsoka, and the crossover event of the season. Yes, Star Wars Avengers, when all three shows come together, which it, they did seem to be referencing that they will yeah. have a yeah. climactic story event. Yeah, that was cynical, kids. See, that was being cynical, and that robs joy. <laughs> no, it's being accurate. There's going to be a climactic story event. Uh, that's what I call my dessert. When I have pie, it's a climactic <laughs> story event. <laughs> uh, let's uh, Before we start talking about food, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk some of those fun details, action, comedy, canon, all that great stuff. Back in a moment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. We are back to talk canon, comedy, action, predictions for next week, all that fun stuff. Let's dive into some canon, some lore connections to other stories, and just sort of general progress of the the big picture of The Mandalorian. Uh, One thing I wanted to tease out of this episode, Ken, is uh, Boba Fett is back in business. He's got his armor cleaned up. He's uh, cradling that old school blaster of his. Uh, He's got the Slave One spinning and spitting those seismic charges. Boba Fett is back in business. How did you feel about uh, 
any of that stuff of Boba Fett back on his feet, you know, being Boba Fett. He's back, back in the slave one grooved. Yeah. So music continues to flow out of my soul. Uh, I loved it. Actually, uh, when he steps out the first time, I was like, I was like, oh, I, I'm so glad they still got the robe going, like or, or the tunic underneath the off. I'm, I'm so there for old man Fett with that outfit. I want that figure now. Um, but I, I actually was like, what's different about it? Oh, he cleaned up. Oh, I got it. And then I was like, I kind of liked the beat up, <laughs> really beat up Sarlacc pit. Uh, Cobb Vanth didn't wash it armor, but uh, I like the cleaned up uh, look of, of Boba Fett. Um, I, I've seen people uh, tweeting and, and I think even posting in our Discord. Small detail, but I have spent a lifetime wondering what it's like to be inside Slave One when it flies and moves and switches, uh, much like piloting a B-Wing. And we got that answer and I uh, enjoyed that. I cheered for the spinning internal, you know, room. Mm-hmm. That was so awesome. Uh yeah, and, and and just seeing the way he cradled the the E three and double check yeah. to make sure uh, that my memory is correct from the back of his Power of the Force action figure, which is where I learned E three. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just I, Boba Fett is continuing to develop as a character, and I love that there's there's this other thread of Boba Fett that pops up in different storytelling. It's you know for me it kind of starts in the special edition uh, where he is talking to the backup singers and he gives that little chin. <laughs> Uh, touch that little I got some business to do but I'll, I'll talk to you later that there is some vanity there is some cockiness and I love that he gets back in slave one and he's like you know uh, I'm being honorable we would told we told you we would help you find the child so uh, I Boba Fett the most notorious bounty hunter in the galaxy will will basically be your lift driver tell me where you want to go uh, but also <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about making sure you have extra cans of paint for your Beskar <laughs> that I store in the Slave One. <laughs> I want to see that bonus scene of him being like, you know, yeah, yep, yep. This is called Hunter Green. That's the exact <laughs> color. And I keep up backup paint here in the Slave One. He's got a file, like whenever you design logos or something for a show, you got to know the the numbers of your colors so you can just use it on any paint program or Photoshop. And he's like, oh, I got my list here. Here's what I use. It's the branding I decided uh, on a long time ago. I'm sticking Yeah. It. It's Pantone 30048, Mando. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and uh, the seismic charges, obviously. Uh, so yeah, all, all that was great. Uh, the little Boba, Boba Fett moments we got were wonderful. You touched on this, but I wanted to to uh, spend just a moment on it. When it's part of just setting up the machinery, the plot. Uh, but Mayfeld says these remnant bases are set up and run by XISB. So mm-hmm. uh, those of us who who spend a lot of time digging in uh, know that's the Imperial Security Bureau uh, for casual fans they can either infer that or maybe think they're talking about some sort of uh, digestive problem <laughs> uh, but for like kind of going into the more hardcore canon that to me was a really interesting and important bit of detail that if they are hidden a little bit better mm-hmm. it you're talking about the spies right uh, the, or the information officers you're talking about the um the KGB CIA of the empire and that made a little bit more sense to me of like yeah no we've got these these are our big public bases but these are the ones that are squirreled away and that's maybe why this is running a little bit better running with a little bit more uh intelligence because mm-hmm. it's not the sort of uh the imperial officers that, we, that we've come to know in a lot of stories who are uh you know just they come from an important place where they have lots of money so they kind of buy influence 
Uh, but these are the people who are actually really know the galaxy, really know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that flows from Gideon, right? He was an officer in the ISB himself, uh, uh, you know, internal affairs, intelligence, like you said, all those kind of things. And that's an interesting choice. I'd love to see how that plays out, if it plays out at all. Other than, other than that, it's, it's what you said, this wonderful detail that might uh, lend to more explanations, more storytelling. Uh, and I, I, and I noticed that as well. It, 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 um, it, 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 it's, it's hard for it to not jump out when Gideon gives that great speech at the end. You, Kara Cynthia Dune, here's what your grades were in second grade. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and it, it was great uh, then, and I loved it, but I felt like that was so much about uh, mm-hmm. him, about yeah. Moff Gideon. And it was great to hear that, like, no, all of these remnant bases are XISB. It, it, it also, I mean, now we're going down a, a path of storytelling we might just never get it's fun headcanon stuff it reminds me i don't know this it's like it's like die hard 2 where you know hey we all fought in a war together but we three of us really formed a bond and now we get to maybe do it ourselves let's steal a plane and cause a problem you know it's like it's it it kind of reeks of that to me of just like gideon was sitting around going you know Jared Gerard, he ran this to the ground. I could have run the second Death Star better than him. <laughs> you guys want to, you want, you want, want to give this a go? Yeah, let's give it a go. We all fought, we all fought in Tanab. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten rid of all of those proper people who uh, speak yeah. with that crisp Coruscanti accent. Now we yeah. have the people with their, uh, you know, Americans not known in Star Wars. Now we have people with their American accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beyond that, I just kind of normal, uh, list, uh, that I do of, uh, familiar things or, or things that appear to be new. Uh, it looked like there was a Hask thug from Force Awakens in the Carthon mm-hmm. chop fields, uh, Carthon chop fields themselves were obviously very cool to just see the pile up of the, the TIE fighters, the ATSD head, and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the planet Morak uh, appears to be new. Uh, Rhydonium, which I think I have said three different ways on this podcast, I apologize, uh, that is uh, an established uh, volatile ship fuel that was introduced, get ready for this, Ken, in the Meeper Gascon arc of the Clone Wars. Well, there you go. That's a fine how do you do. Filoni's like, I got one. <laughs> uh, it popped up again in uh, in Rebels, and it's been in other comics and books, but I just thought that was great of a Meeper Gascon connection to the Mandalorian. Um, then uh, we've got this Imperial Combat Assault Transport, uh, which is uh, similar to uh, the prison tank in, in Rogue One and other vehicles we've seen. Uh, and I thought the look of the troopers that uh, Din and Mayfeld dress up as, the Imperial Combat Assault Transport Trooper, pilot, co-pilot, uh, that was fascinating. Had uh, similar helmets to uh, Rogue One for the uh, Combat Assault uh, Troopers. Uh, and then chest armor that's familiar from Empire Strikes Back, solo, all different colors. So kind of old, kind of new, a fun mix. I know you're a big fan of uh, of the armor. What did you think of this? Oh, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, Seismic Chargers was my number one favorite callback, but the Shore Troopers showing up again. And the idea that I could see a bunch of lazy Shore Troopers on, uh, you know, not Scarif, uh, but another base going, you know, what? Uh, did everyone leave? What, what's going on? Uh, it looks like no, our friends aren't around. We're here on this beach defending it. Uh, you want to join up with this remnant? Yeah, let's do it. Bring your short gear, trooper gear. I, I just, uh, I just, I think it fits with their vibe, and I liked it a lot. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I screamed. That was my one of my one or two weekly screams. Uh, short troopers, they're my favorite uh, design of trooper in, in a long time. 
And I love that initial like, yeah, uh, okay. Did they did they just <laughs> say we're, we're low on armor? You're all shore troopers. Right. Uh, but I think what we are meant to believe is it is it does look like some sort of a dam that uh, powers that facility that uh, that river banks count as shores when it comes to shore troopers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the aesthetic was so great and it was so great this whole episode was great with uh seeing them as as humans inside that armor uh if you watch the episode with the captions uh there's a bunch of great captions of fun little things that the shore troopers say is like you know they did it for the glory of the empire (laughs) a lot of great little background things that the shore troopers are saying so cool to see them so cool in action uh but I'm also curious what you thought of that that actual helmet design for the uh, for what Mando was wearing. Yeah, I uh, actually yeah like a lot. It reminded me of the tank driver stuff. Um, it's it's uh, yeah I, I like the all the alterations and adaptations uh, of or adaptions I should say of the uh, I guess you could a- adapt a, a book about stormtrooper helmets. Uh, no, just uh, the different uh, the the different looks from the classic stormtrooper helmet. I, I I I'm you know you could put them on a wall for me. I could collect those. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it was fun because it, it seemed to be. It made sense for the the situation. It made sense for what they were driving. Uh, but it also was, you know, not as different as is the Mando in a straight up stormtrooper helmet. That helmet mm-hmm. has a little bit of energy and rhythm with the Mandalorian yeah. helmet, which I think really worked well for this. Uh, then uh, this new character, Valen Hess, uh, played by Richard Brake, who I'm when I looked up who he was, I was like, oh, Ken will be happy about that. <laughs> uh, I haven't looked him up yet. What's he in? What's he oh, in? wow. I thought this was going to be one of your just shooting from the cuff right away. Uh, so oh. one fun thing, he was a uh, Joe Chill uh, in Batman Begins, the murder of uh, Batman's parents. Oh, yes. But f- for for you, he was the original Night King. Get uh, I didn't know. I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb page now. The original, oh, the Oath Keeper season four introduction of him. Wow. And Hardhome. Like Hardhome, right. And then they switched it, and it's the stunt coordinator that plays it in uh, in the end. Get, get out of here. That's why I liked him so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, he did, he was almost like the Night King. He just needed to do that sort of taunting dance that he does in yeah. the gift from Hardhome. Yeah, he did the, uh, that's him. He's the come at me, bro, Night, Night King. Nice. The raise the arms and the dead, such one of the best scenes in Game of Thrones for my money. So, yeah. Good yeah. job, Richard Brake. Uh, great job in this, man. Yeah. Uh, well written, well directed, but well acted, man. Uh, next canon thing to mention, uh, the when, uh, when Mayfeld is trying to cover for Din not knowing what a TK number is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, saying uh, he's got hearing problems. His vessel lost pressure in Tanab. Is that how he said it? Yeah, I wrote it down as Tanab, uh, not the Battle of Tanab. But, you know, Lando has a track record of mispronouncing things. <laughs> Maybe Tanab is the way to say it. I think vowel sounds, particularly any vowel sound with a, an A in it, is really up for grabs in Star Wars, right? Yeah, if you say Tanab, you probably get a lot of Dunkin' Donuts copies uh, in, in Boston, so that might explain it. Uh, were you? Ha- that's an old school, you know, if people grew up with the original trilogy, fun tip of the iceberg. Ooh, what was that battle? Was that fun for you to hear again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I've, I've even said I, I want maybe a comic explaining Lando's actions there or whatever's, whatever happened, yeah. So it's always good. Uh, it's a fun little sprinkle of reference. 
Yeah, yeah. And then outside of the Star Wars canon, and we got a TPS report joke uh, from Office Space. <laughs> I had that down too. Like confirmed shared universe. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a jump to conclusions, Matt. That is the same universe, and I love, that. I love, I love that. Oh, that is so great. That idea that uh, that Din would buy Grogu a, a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> I'm going to need you to come in on Monday and complete a quest. Um, well, Lilo Primak, I celebrate his entire canon. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to stop myself. We could do this all day. Uh, Death Star Gunner is great to see. It's not the Death Star Gunner, the Imperial Gunner, but I've always loved that outfit. I've always loved that crazy helmet. So it's great to yeah. see them. One of my Man favorite. in the cannons. Yeah, one of my favorite figures, and very World War II style anti-aircraft guns, even down to the seats. Uh, I like that design. Yeah, yeah, and, and like similar to things we we saw in the Clone Wars, right? Of the they're sitting in the big cannon and they swivel it. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Operation Cinder. Uh, do you think? Uh, I think it read in context to to casual fans of it's it's a war atrocity where a, a city was destroyed. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, do you think it, it it reads for casual fans? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I think you get the idea. Even the name, even going back to you know, selecting that name years ago, Operation Cinder. You kind of you 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 jump to some com- some conclusions there as well about flames and fire and burning and stuff like that. So uh, I, it works on two levels, and that's how you have to you have to do that. You have to layer it in twice. Some might be for the 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 deep cut fans, and you get it if you hear it. And others, you need to you know, make sure everyone can understand the concept. And, and they did a great job with it. And it was a powerful, and that's a key moment in the episode. It's a key, it's a key discussion point. Yeah. And I think it is, I agree with you. I think it is totally accessible if you're a, a more casual fan, but if you're like, I have played that video game, I yeah. have actively spent time moving my thumbs to try to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, right about that. There's a, there's that great immersion of the extra depth of knowing what that is, what that came from, how many other people across the galaxy were affected by the utter horror of what Operation Cinder was. Well, I loved Hess saying, yeah, you know, oh, cool, you know your history or whatever he says it's exactly. But I also love that that's five years ago. And in Star Wars time, history fades really fast. Yep. And yeah, and, and the New Republic is in charge. So what are they saying about it? You know, and yep. the, the victor gets to put out the history book. So mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Uh, Burnin Khan, the Operation Cinder event, uh, is the at least the planet involved was introduced in the mobile game Star Wars Uprising. So, oh, yeah. pulling from lots of sources here. Um, I love just hearing Cycler Rifle uh, because I've enjoyed playing with the Cycler Rifle in yeah. uh, Battlefront Two. The the name of the Tuscan Raider, uh, kind of the the rickety old rifle yeah. that's you know. A slow shot, but a super powerful shot it was really cool to see. Again, that immersion of "Hey, I've I've fired that. I know how difficult that shot is." Yeah. And also, you know, uh, you know, it can it can disrupt pod races too, right? Can you could use it for that if you wanted to. <laughs> absolutely, you can absolutely take out poor pod racers uh, like Team Topaglius. Um, and then I thought that was just that was great follow up and great they've been building on their own canon so much, you know, back when chapter six, the prisoner came out as those three episodes that people were concerned were just episode of the week. And so much has come from it. Uh, all of the events in this episode in, in the new Republic security droids, all that. I thought it was great that 
you know, back in chapter six, we established from a, a hot interaction between Mayfeld and Din that he is a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of liked that there wasn't any, remember, I used to be a sharpshooter, but just like, if you remember that detail, it pays off. Yep, that would be very clumsy after he blows it up. Oh, that's right. You were a sharpshooter. Yep, 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 <laughs> that's why your aim isn't bad like most stormtroopers. Right. There's a funny beat in the uh, in, in the prisoner, I thought, of like, you know, am I supposed to be impressed? And like, hey, I was a sharpshooter. Yeah. Uh, all right. So any other canon thoughts for you? No, that's a lot there. You, uh, I mean, it was fun, fun, fun episode uh, of canon connections. So love yeah. it. Excellent. Let's talk about action moments and see if we can separate them from the comedy moments. But what were uh, what were action uh, moments or ideas or beats that landed for you? I mean, look, I, I have to uh, get, still have a moment for the seismic charge. It just it just it, it even even uh, Fennec Shan and Cara Dune kind of looked at each other and going, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was good stuff. Um, you know, when they brought back Slave Watt, it was like, uh, are they going to do this? Yes. So, also, I apologize, everyone. I'm now recording this show with a kind of sick chihuahua in my arm, so you mm-hmm. might meep or a beep every uh, now and then. That's uh, Ratsy in Daddy's arms. Um, yeah, that was good. Um, I, I mentioned before, I loved the kind of dueling, not dueling because they weren't in competition with each other, but just the... Uh, the uh, sharpshooters, uh, Fennec and, and Cara Dune, just on the ridge, just taking out uh, stormtroopers. I loved that little sequence. That was fun for me. You know. Yeah, that was, and and for Ratsy. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that was great. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, there's a bunch of great uh, beats, but that that tank fight, I just really love. I think it's um, it's a sense of style that uh, Rick Famuyiwa has in his action of the person who is doing a cool fight but isn't quite in control and is having a bad day and everything's getting mm-hmm. worse is, you know, is amazingly proficient is Din yeah. Jarn is. He's yeah. still struggling, right? Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, I, you know, the, the trying to block with his wrist and it gets shattered uh, and that the flipping the pirate by the shirt is a really cool move. There's a bunch of just uh, cool moves that marry the, the comedy and the action and yeah. the, the fear. Uh, and the, just kind of a great action moment is that, uh, when Mando throws the thermal detonator back and there's that zoom in on the pirate's face of like, what? Come on. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a great sequence that I think I enjoy even more in the second viewing. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy in the first one, but again, sometimes you're watching this at one fifteen in the morning going, I got to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, I love them more. I love the, him shooting the one that's jumping. <laughs> one of those like. Yeah, do that. Like, why would you wait for him to get on there? But you're, you're so right to tie it to Femia's previous entries into the series. Uh, and I know this is the one he he wrote, but I mean, the, the sand, Mando versus Sandcrawler uh, and Mando versus uh, Offworld Jawas, Mando versus, uh, you know, breaking out of prison with everyone there. It's it's the same energy and it, it's it's really effective. And, and I and I love it because there's this. Uh, it's a comedy moment, too. Oh, you, you did say we want to try to separate comedy from action, but it, but it flows in of just him kind of. Oh God! I gotta now. I fight six more hovercrafts of these guys, oh, and I, I just I, it really reminded me of Chapter Two. Yeah, the the way he keeps standing up, even though more and more keep coming, and when he does finally get back into the the you know uh, cab, uh, there's that uh, he's he's wheezing, you know, and <laughs> like that yeah. he took hits, you know. I love Tall. that. Uh, I think I've talked about earlier, uh, you know, I, I'm just a sucker from troopers uh, falling from high places and man, a shore trooper falling into a dam after being sniped. I, I, I did really love those, uh, those shots. Yeah. And the one in the window, th- that was like a good twist on, on Star Wars and other action 
uh, movies where they're they're just leaning out and basically trying to blast people's ankles. And I think oh, it's maybe yeah. leans in is like <laughs> shoots him in the window. Yeah. It's brutal, but like a great twist on the like uh, I'm going to try to shoot you in the ankle. Like no, you're not. Yeah. Uh, let's talk moments of uh, comedy, uh, whimsy, grizzled weirdos. Uh, there's a lot of comedy moments in different levels of uh, blatant comedy and more subtle comedy. What spoke to you? So I mentioned the shrug, man down to fight more pirates. Uh, I, I, it's a great reference to Camino and clones and everything, but I, let's just say the record is my face is a really funny line to a lot of us. Uh, and, and hopefully it plays to even with the general audience and, 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 and it should not be interpreted as they know Boba Fett. I think you and I agree on that. It's, it's a clone reference more than anything. Um, so I, I did love that. And, and the final one, this was like the big one. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot more moments here. Um, the, the um, in, it, we got the giant sequence uh, of the mess hall tension filled moment. And the just the, after Mayfield shoots has, and then the short trooper with walks in with a plate and a drink. And it's like, Oh, I just wanted to eat. <laughs> <laughs> just loved it and it you said it earlier there's no tonal shift it flows so nicely and it's a little beat of just character it's character comedy that short trooper just uh just you know i'm busy trying to re-oppress the galaxy and i wanted a snack and now i'm dead god bless it i i really love that moment that's that's an example of how to do it comedy action point and poignancy and purpose all rolled into one 10 second stretch I so agree. It is the number one comedy moment on my list. Just the scene, the uh, the Imperials in this realistic way of like, it's the short trooper with the lunch tray and his, his milk or whatever it is he's going to be yeah. drinking in that pause. You know, it's got a little bit of a Tarantino energy to it yeah. of like, I am, I'm an, I'm, an, I'm wearing armor. I am a person of violence, but violence is for outside what do I do when it happens at lunch? <laughs> you know, and just like the way that again, Bill Burr, obviously uh, great uh, comedy timing, the way he just was like, they stare for a beat and there's that minimal movement to his arm of like, yeah, of course I'm going to shoot you. Uh, like I hesitated for a second, but why? <laughs> uh, and it, it remains dramatic. It's great action. And it's strangely really funny. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, just I love everything about that sequence and the mess hall and everything once it really starts picking up. Uh, and uh, that just uh, jumped out to me. Yeah. Uh, a couple other moments that made me laugh. Uh, you know, when Mayfeld is just kind of saying everything he can think of to poke at everybody. Uh, and they're talking about Rhydonium being explosive. And he kind of jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like this one and nods to care Dune. And then Boba Fett just glares at him, which is just like another great, like Boba Fett moment of like, cool Boba Fett kind of doesn't have a sense of humor <laughs> and it's really like we're talking about the plan dude yeah yeah this isn't junior high shut up and like that's just all in that powerful glare of Jamora Morrison it's uh it's so funny it reminds me of an old uh roommate of mine who uh often funny talented comic in his own right but very similar to Burr and energy and uh it, it was a sequence of uh just making a joke where it's like hey Now's not the time, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Read the room, Mayfeld. Read the room. Um, a couple other things for me. I think just the the whole sequence of 
uh, Mando not knowing exactly how to be how to handle being confronted by Valen Hess. Uh, it, I think it continues his through line of you know I, I kind of at this point want to scream just like Mando, read a book, learn about the galaxy. <laughs> uh, that he's really unsure about how to answer this stuff and there's some great tension and great comedy i love when he first walks in and they're kind of glaring at him and he gives that really crappy salute this totally unconvincing yep. salute uh the that we just call him brown eyes stuff is great and mm. then the final thing for me that i think is this amazing like i can't believe i'm laughing right now because everything else is so tense when mayfeld is dropping all the bs and in, mm. in that raw anger is coming out in his confrontation uh, with Valen Hess in that conversation and Mando can see that's where he's going and Mayfeld glances over at him for just a second and Mando gives that tiny head shake of no 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 uh -huh. no no don't do this uh-huh you yeah, yep that was my last one to mention because it oh. again no 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 I'm glad you mentioned it. It's, it's it it's it's part of what is so great about that scene and it's a lot of directorial stuff but um it also it just it's it's funny it, it, it it's a beat of relief before the explosion of action it, it's it's a down a downbeat before we boom, boom but also it it just really is about mando in that moment mando with no gear mando with no helmet mando with no knowledge of what they're even talking about what's going on and mando wanting to save grogu and that's the goal and just looking at her and going oh please oh please oh don't i really love that moment for comedy and and for purpose yeah, no, it's so such a great analysis of it from Din's perspective. And I also just like the the comedy of, you know, the uh, Migs Mayfeld, the character is like, eh, I don't care about anything. It's all the same. Like, now's the time. Now is the moment where you can't let something go. Now is the time where you're not just the cynic at the bar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Super funny. Uh, we've touched on some of the just overall direct directorial stuff, but were there any moments, uh, any visuals, or anything that jumped out at you? I I, I go. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot in the in the action sequence, and going back to the Disney gallery and some of the behind the scenes stuff where you could see, you know, with the rendering and the the previs and everything that you could, the, each director could go through the action and really just plot it out before they even get to set you you can kind of see some of the benefit of that and again in this episode and and, and familia seems to really have a handle on that so there's a lot of that but i i think that that mess hall scene and i've seen references to the um hans Lond a couple of hans landa moments in glorious bastards and and i would agree with that um mm. to, to a certain degree of just some of the the tension over pie a la mode right and yeah. or cream and milk and all that kind of stuff so it does work out. Um, uh, drinks. Let's just let's, let's have a drink. Come on, man. Uh, the tension played out perfectly, including those beats of comedy that you and I are talking about uh, and throwing in there. Uh, just a wonderful, almost play-like scene for me. Uh, just and, and and all kudos to not only from uh, but just everyone involved. But like you, you know, you said earlier, but Bill Burr just really playing it small in a way playing it very intimate and playing it uh playing uh, what was going on inside uh, and it uh it worked very well yeah he's in that moment right when uh valen has is driving everything home of people don't really want freedom and you you helped me you, you brought this you know uh, this fuel to me and i'm going to use it to attack people and take away their freedom and, he Bill Burr is perfect in that moment of utterly raw of somebody who doesn't deal with their emotions suddenly mm -hmm. being overwhelmed by them. 
is was really powerful and, and yeah well done uh great directorial moment um for me just like a beautiful picture honestly like one of my favorite like i need to just uh screenshot that and print it you know this the, the seismic charges returning was great but that image of the slave one flying in the circle the blue circle of the fading seismic charge is just that was a little painting for me yeah it was great I want yeah. I want a Mando Monday download photo of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I t- already talked about the tank fight. You know, I think, you know, being able to or not tank fight, but transport fight, uh, mm-hmm. being able to uh, marry all the action and uh, the meaning. But I also like that it was the not able to drive fast enough for me kind of continued some of these themes we've been seeing in the action where, mm-hmm. you know, Mando can never move fast enough. It's more of that sort of dream logic terror in the action. Yeah. Uh, last moment for me the village kid looking up at Mando with disdain, you mm-hmm. know, really supports that conversation with Mayfeld. But I just thought that was great with um, rhythms that we keep seeing of uh, reflections of that key moment in Din Djarin's life where he looks up from that cellar and sees uh, the Mandalorian and sees salvation. And to see this kid who Mando would probably think of as a foundling, looking up and seeing not a savior in his mask, but seeing a monster in this mask mm-hmm. that he's wearing, you know, seeing that kid look up and see the mask that Mando considers the mask of an enemy without honor and, and feeling that I thought was great. It is a point. It just, you're on point there. And in, in that moment and what it meant to, it works on a lot of different levels and, and works within that conversation, like you said. And again, how, how, Cynicism kind of starts for, from a point of truth for, for me. Uh, it's the way I always interpret it of, of, yep, you could go, yeah, look at that kid. This is not good. Uh, and I know who I am beneath this mask. But then connecting it to what you said there to, to the battle droids, which we look at and go, look, bad people. But some people looked at them and, and said, Republic bad, you know, like, and, and you could get lost in that muddiness. But what, it, what does it mean for the individual in that moment? It, it, that was a powerful moment. Good, good use yeah. of, uh, of that uh, moment. Yeah. Uh, any moment to you that seemed particularly inspired by action figures? Oh, yeah. I was trying to think. I mean, just dumping your your shore troopers onto a carpet and just throwing them around is is enough for me. Um, it, uh, yeah, yeah. All, all of it kind of worked. I'm trying to think of one specific moment. It was last week was just literally just action figures and heavy metal music. Like we said this week, a, a little different. There was something too with um, TIE fighters showing up. It's a little bit like your neighbor friend got the TIE fighter and wants to bring it over to play. So you can add it into your story. Yeah. 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 Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the pirates. I thought the pirates were cool. I can see that being an action figure set where you get that their little skiff uh, transport and mm-hmm. you get uh, some pirates and you get alternate outfit Mando. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this: the opening, the chop chop fields, Carthon. That looks like most Kenner toys now in most adult storage bins. That's it nice. really did the, the the broken up tie that's not uh, quite working yeah. anymore. Some parts have fallen off for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a way to after you've uh, sadly broken your toy that you can still have it be a part of the play. Uh, yeah, and now I I'm inspired. I I think I've told you before. Sometimes my brother and I would set up our action figures all over the room on dressers and top mm-hmm. of our bunk bed, and then we would have a blaster fight with rubber bands. And now I just want to buy a hundred shore troopers <laughs> and shoot rubber bands at them. Cut to uh, cut to Joseph just flicking stormtrooper figures off his uh, 
off his bed as they fall and he watches with glee. Yeah. Ah! Ah, I love the short troopers. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? No, no. I, I, again, really love love this episode because it is, it is uh, in line with chapter two, which is one of my favorites. And, and, and I still, again, still say my favorite and I don't ever want that to be, I don't want to be the guy at the bar going, Oh, I know you love the Soka. I loved the quiet little one. I, I, I always don't want to be that. I just, this is when the show works best for me. And I, I, I believe we will. And I hope we will continue to have these kind of episodes and moments that are really introspective, really reflective, and really play with the big themes of Star Wars, as well as just have the wonderful action and a great purpose to the action. And I thought last week, I think you did a great job explaining Boba Fett's actions and what they meant to the character. Ahsoka's worked for me. It's all working for me. But uh, the these style of episodes just uh, they affect me. I went to bed not ex- like oh god I saw Ahsoka that was so great or Boba Fett's back. I went to head went to bed going what do I think about myself? And that's <laughs> something that's pretty powerful when Star Wars does it. Wow, that's great. That is extremely well said. Um, the the only thing that I wanted to touch on is uh, it took me until my second viewing where it really registered that. Um, he's got some stubble when we see him without his helmet in season one, right. but now Din Djarin in his personal growth has made the choice to grow a mustache, even though no one ever sees his face. He's going to just have a big frosty beard by the end of this show. And I love it. <laughs> and I, you know, it's, we, we, you know, I'm so used to seeing Pedro Pascal, uh, like that and, you know, couldn't remember actually without looking back, like, did he have the the beard or the the mustache and he, he's you know he's bloodied and there is some stubble but it's not like hello mustache the way it is in this that that was f- just kind of a fun moment and a moment where it's like you can have some fun headcanon with that of like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna play a little bit <laughs> yeah. i'm coming out of my shell as it were and i'm gonna express myself with uh my love of my son and a mustache <laughs> any uh predictions or hopes for the big finale of season two next week. I'm calling this one Beskar staff versus dark saber, uh, which also means you need to break it down and, and, and it helped me here. I don't know. Is that, is that need versus want uh, love versus desire um, compassion versus the empire? I don't, I don't know. Uh, we're building to this. Uh, and I, and I love that. It's, it's, Pretty clear. I think there'll be some surprises and maybe we'll get some big reveals and maybe the blueprints for Snoke will fall out of a shelf. I don't know. I don't know. All that could be there. But this is building to that moment with Mando at the end. Just be you have no idea what that child means to me, but you're going to find out. Ooh, I'm ready for that confrontation. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm with you. I think a lot of people are almost like, this is like a, if you've already subscribed, you don't have to pay, but this is like a pay-per-view event, right? This is Beskar staff versus Darksaber. People are really excited for that. Uh, I think from the just surface level fight, I am too, but I'm really excited to see what meaning is going to be in that. How is uh, Din Djarin going to be challenged? How much is he going to be he, he's been pushed really far in this episode that we're talking about of how much will he bend or break the creed because he decides Grogu and Grogu's safety is more important to him. Like, where will he go? And then on the other side is, will they win the day, but they only do it because Grogu does something violent or dark, you know, something that mm-hmm. dark side, something that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, underlines what Ahsoka said of like, Hey, yeah, attachment is a power, it, it, and the the connection you two have is great. But you also got to be careful about it 
because the fear of losing you can lead to a dark path. You know, is that going to be the big question or, or the big, uh, you know, is this the way moment of this next episode? Ooh, yeah. 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 You know, it's so funny. We got till Christmas of, of uh, 2021, right? Christmas day or something is when season three drops. Oh boy. I don't know if I can wait that long. I need, I need, I need to know, but uh, cliffhangers. I love cliffhangers hangers and I'm not a binger. I, I, I don't, I love, I prefer week to week programming. Maybe it's because I was raised in the eighties and I, and I didn't need to know what Sam Malone did the next minute. Um, but uh, you're, you're scared me in a great way, Joseph, of just this, is this going to end with a, Oh no, who shot uh, Montgomery Burns? I, I, <laughs> I'm afraid of that. We, we have met, met referenced that before uh, and probably Montgomery Burns being shot, but, a cliffhanger, but now that we're right there on the cusp of it, I, I am I am nervously excited. It seems possible because it just it feels like from the nature of the storytelling that this isn't Din Djarin defeats Gideon, and then yeah. the next it, so so then that does make you ask like, well, what is what is the sort of climactic beat? Is it a cliffhanger? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a couple other things I'm uh, wondering about is uh, will we see Bo Katan return? Will this mm-hmm. be the you know, uh, Din thinks he's all alone, outgunned, in in trouble, and then Bo-Katan shows up. He's like, you know, this is the guy I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't ask any questions to find that out, you know? Yeah. Could be. Uh, makes yeah. some sense. Uh, and then I think a, a possibility is Din Djarin succeeds in rescuing Grogu. There is some, you know, definite emotional concerns about what happens, but they get out of there uh or maybe even they don't get out of there. I, I'm curious to see if the midi-chlorian experiments have been successful. If there is either a, a experimental troop uh, who has some force powers or uh, is it a thing where Din thinks he's got Gideon on the ropes, but the midi-chlorian experiments have been successful and he has mm-hmm. some amount of force ability. Uh, even if it's like that kind of corrupted, like he can yeah. use it, but it's making him rot. <laughs> mm. Gosh, big big predictions, big thoughts. We'll yep. see. Hopes, we'll dreams. I, I don't know. I, I won't put any money on myself. Uh, I'm yeah. just being a Star Wars nerd and speculating, hopefully responsibly, because I won't be mad if that doesn't happen. And then, of course, I think there is the possibility of the end scene is some mysterious person in a cloak who may or may not be a Jedi walking onto uh, toward the scene stone on Tython going, who was here? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> There's so yeah. much. This better be a 52-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, of course, the large campfire scene between Boba Fett and Din talking about the nature of what it is to be a Mandalorian. Yeah. That, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, we always like to close with a uh, fun, weird question. So, Ken, it, it's happened to so many of our Star Wars heroes if you had to disguise yourself as an Imperial troop, but you got to pick exactly what kind of armor you were going to wear, what armor would you choose? I think I would go with, I got to go a little Jyn Erso. I got that, that kind of flight crew, uh, landing crew kind of outfit. Yeah, head on. Ground crew. Yeah. yeah, ground crew. And then, and the, um, uh, the, some of the, the Death Star gunner, the full, the, the Imperial gunner, the full, the full mask, which was one of my favorite Kenner figures. And one of the only ones to survive my original collection. I go there. The reason being, it just, you kind of, no one, I don't know, even if it's hard to even see your face, you might, you can maybe get the visor up like Jen, right? And then, then you just have to worry about hiding your, you know, lying with your eyes. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're dressed up as a gunner, there's no question about where you're going. You're like, well, I'm either going to or from a gun somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm I'm a gunner. Uh, I, I couldn't resist. It's not the easiest armor to get into. It's probably not the best. You, you stick out like a sore thumb, but I want to be a shore trooper. <laughs> This is all, this is all Joseph wants now. Friends. It is. I want to, I want to get uh, some shore trooper armor that I disguise as, and then be uh, so far away from a shore and have an imperial just be like, what are you doing here? Do you see any water? No. Why? I'd blow my cover, but I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Excellent. So that is our look at chapter 15, The Believer. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to, especially because uh, these episodes garner a little extra attention. A lot of people uh, seeking out shows about The Mandalorian. So welcome to Force Center if you're relatively new. We have the Force Center podcast feed. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Facebook. Like us there. Instagram, YouTube as well. We put some supplemental programming up and some rebroadcasts. You can get some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get our Speculate Responsibly t-shirt designed by the great Brian Ward and join us in Dreaming Big but not worrying if it goes a little different than planned. Uh, you can get an audible uh, audio book on us. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center, and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center, or uh, do what a lot of you have been doing, uh, sharing the show with friends at the office. Even if they think we talk about food too much, I love that because you know what? I talk about food too much and it's true. And I love talking about food and star Wars. So uh, we appreciate you guys passing on the, on the show to people who are relatively uh, new to the force center family. Uh, you can also follow me at Kednapsock and go to my website, Kednapsock.com. and Joseph for your stuff. Tell them where to find you. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com for updates on all my other comedy adventures, comedy albums, my other podcast obsessed. Uh, yeah, this it's great. Great. Ken to celebrate, uh, all of our different food analogies for Star Wars. One should always listen to Force Center uh, when they're hungry. <laughs> you will only become more hungry. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Boba Fett's fancy repainted armor, this has been Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.